Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. Ahoy, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. It has been a wonderful week, and you are listening to the Friday Follow-Up for Season 12, Episode 26, Family Ties. This week, Bob tied up the loose ends from the Javier and Jacob circle. We heard interviews from Javier's mother, Jacob's mother, and Jacob's twin brother. We have a ton of great listener questions, as always, and I'm joined by Bob and Janet. And if you haven't heard the news, or you've been living under a rock, We have a phenomenal update from our season one case that we'll get into right after this break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications. And that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in because I'm special. From something else, the Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. We have, it's a little late by the time you're hearing this, but we definitely have incredible reason to celebrate because on Monday, I'm sure all of you know, but Adnan Syed was freed from prison. Uh, it was amazing. I was, I was, I was group texting with, those these guys because Janet didn't want to get on the Zoom that I did. Oh, oh, oh! I might have forgot. Go to on. About it. <laughs> Don't let me interrupt you. Uh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I interrupted you. <laughs> uh, man, what a great week! And a lot of you guys know. Just spur of the moment because I was going, I was going nuts Monday, waiting uh, for results from the hearing. I opened up a. A Zoom, I just put a link on the Facebook chat, hoping maybe a couple people would come hang out with me because I was by myself. And uh, it filled up with 100 people immediately. We did a YouTube Live. Uh, The video of that, if you want to see myself and 100 of my best friends um, all reacting to the news when we found out. 100% excluding Janet and myself. Correct. Right. Well, you guys were. We're not his best friends. We're not his best friends. Yeah. Yeah. I I said of 100 of my best friends. Uh, But that is uh, on our YouTube channel. You can watch that. Um, if you'd like to, cause after, I think it was your idea, Jan, some, somebody had said, well, why don't you, or it might've might been Teresa Dunn said, can you put it on YouTube? So like an hour and a half into us, uh, on the zoom, I just clicked the one button it took to stream that on YouTube. Then another 500 or so more people joined in at that point. So, um, and in all seriousness, awesome. yeah, we were, I was very, very bitter and jealous, but 
on the upside, it was so fun seeing so many names I know. I got to see what a bunch of people look like who I've, whose names I've seen or who I've chatted with in yeah. YouTube. Um, it was really, really cool. I, I, there were just a lot of people I recognized, and that was actually that was really fun. It was very moving. Yeah, it was. I was so glad I did it. Uh, Jillian Pensavalli from uh, True Crime Obsessed uh, hopped on there too, so she was on there with me. Um, who now Janet is threatening to make her replace her on our show. <laughs> Uh, Zach and I just uh, assumed that Jillian would start hosting the follow up and that he and I would go <laughs> off and start our own sad podcast. <laughs> back, back to truth and just us. That's right. Yeah. No, I love you guys way too much, but I was glad Jillian was there. That was super cool. No, it was great. Uh, it, it was, was great. In, in, incredibly emotional. Um, as I was just saying earlier, like they, I was reading live tweets from Lee Sanderlin, um, who was in the media room at the courthouse as they were happening. And, uh, obviously lost it pretty hard when he said that she overturned the conviction um, and sent shivers down my spine when I read the tweet that the judge has ordered the bailiff to remove his shackles. Almost made me cry again right there. Yeah, it was me too. Thinking about it. Um, what, a, what an amazing thing. Um, and so with that being said, there are, uh, I know we have a lot of questions about Adnan. We also have a lot of questions about our current case. So I think, Janet, the way you've got it formatted is we're going to cover the current case stuff first. And then yeah. we'll move on to the Adnan stuff because not everyone listening uh, is is invested in Adnan's case as as us. So uh, with that, we'll let you get right into uh, – before we get into questions, I want to ask you guys what you guys thought. If we can kind of reset our brains to this case. Sure. What would you think of these uh, interviews, Zach? I loved the way Bonnie came out yes. hot. I'm yeah, yes. I feel like I know her. Uh, she reminds me so much of so many of my friends' uh, moms and like so many of my teachers mm-hmm. growing up in Tucson, Arizona. Like, I'm so familiar with that. Like, I, I hate to say mama bear, but like, I'm very familiar with that. And that's like something I felt re- actually I felt very warm about. And I know not everyone yeah, felt that yeah. way, but I was like, oh. I know that wasn't supposed to be the takeaway, yeah. but like, I really appreciate like when she came out. It was like just that. nice to hear somebody make fucking LeClaire take a step back. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she was like the first person that was just not taking his shit. And whether that's just because she's the mama bear or because of her position as an assembly woman, whatever the reason was, she had the confidence to uh, to put him in his place, which mm-hmm. was just nice to hear because he's, uh, I think he's awful. That's the way I, I think. <laughs> he's pretty bad. Don't like, um, speaking of which, by the way, either I haven't, I'm, I'm still trying to work this out for this week's episode. Um, but I, I want to think there are a couple people, uh, Chris Dolan particular specifically, uh, along with several other listeners mentioned in the fan page, they wanted to hear Javier's fourth interview. Um, and and I, I swear, I, I the week that we went to Memphis, I swear I put out all of his interviews. This whole time I thought that I did. And I went and looked and I didn't actually play his fourth interview, which is like a 12, 13 minute. And it's just, it's LeClaire um, trying to get him to take a polygraph again. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some information in there, so I'm glad they like directed me to it because I thought we had covered it and I'd moved on from it. Um, hadn't. I don't think I'd even heard it before. So point being, I'm either going to fit that into this week's episode um, because there's some relevant information there to what we're going to be talking about this week, or if not, I will get that out as a bonus in the next in the next week um, for you guys to hear because it's uh, it's an important one. So um, I want to thank all of you listeners for always you know throwing me things like that because, again, I had moved on from that. So the other quick sentiment I took away um, was honestly from Jacob's mother. You know, she mm-hmm. she felt 
very concerned for his mental health with everything he had been through. Right. And I think that was big for me to pick that up. Like she felt, I didn't feel as she was protecting him from the case as she was protecting him for his mental health. Yeah. Yeah. I got the, the exact same thing. And it, and it, I thought that was interesting to hear, even though it was short. Um, but to hear how he reacted to the, you know, to finding this out and, the, and this, this happening to him, because, you know, my impression of him prior to hearing Austin talk about how broke up he was, that he, that he moved away. And, and then his mom saying he had, you know, uh, an emotional breakdown afterwards, you know, so we've heard it from several people mm-hmm. now. Well, and he found his aunt. Yeah. His favorite Something, aunt. Yeah. Rough. You feel bad for the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you think, Janet? Um, yeah, I, I thought there was some really great uh, information in there. I, I thought it was interesting that the way Rolando described the sequence of events was most closely matched to the way Austin kind of remembered it. He was the right. only other person that sort of was close to Jacob, like kind of the closest to Jacob in all of this going on, mm-hmm. who also had this kind of perception of he I remember he was trying to get a hold of her and he was worried and he said something didn't feel right. And so to me, that kind of seemed to corroborate like whatever Austin and, and Jacob and and Rolando's memories and experiences of it were um, kind of lived in that space. And that's also kind of what Jacob said in his police interviews that, he, you know, whether or not the timing matches out perfectly, this idea of like, why am I not hearing back from her? Why am I not hearing back from her? So I thought right. that was really interesting. Um, and it, it's interesting too, and and that's some of the stuff we're going to cover this weekend um, on Sunday's episode. But it, it, again, it sounds like the not being able to get a hold of her was in the days. Did you get that impression too that he's talking about the days? It's what it sounded like up to them. Yeah, it sounded like, like he was saying when he was murder. at his house, he was even saying that, like yeah. when he was in Costa Mesa. So that's interesting. I don't know exactly what it means, but it was. It was kind of good to hear that after Austin's later interview because it did sort of feel like, oh, okay, well, however that's ho- however that exists, it sort of exists in a, of a piece with those those two or three guys. Um, yeah, well, so we've got uh, plenty of great questions to get into, so um, I'm happy to jump okay. in um, if Let's you guys are. Okay, cool. Um, well, first we'll start with Kristen H, who says, "Thanks for the Patreon behind the scenes video. I laughed a lot. Loved seeing the baby quails." So shout out to Kristen for enjoying the mayhem of last week's follow-up episode. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So for the, yeah, for those of you that aren't on the the Patreon, which and it's, it's five bucks a month, you get all the episodes ad-free, which is a big benefit, and you get an hour-long video pre-show before the follow-ups. Um, last week lo- got out of hand. Well, we were having all kinds of, which by the way, for, for you patrons too, you should know that some of the, the money we get from Patreon is in, in my October budget I have in to replace all of this equipment in here with the Patreon funds uh, because we're having all kinds of technical difficulties and it keeps happening. Um, and so when I, in the midst of me having kind of a fit about that, we ended up doing a tour of the whole <laughs> office studio, the bird pen outside. Zach got attacked by a pheasant. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Wait, it was action-packed. Yeah. It was action-packed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, she goes on to say, also, I'm glad you gave us the three interviews from the mamas and the brother. Did you find it interesting that Bonnie skirted around the question as to where Javier was after she dropped him off at Walmart? She didn't mention the whole time he was driving up around Becky's house. I noticed it, but the thing is, she she only knows what Javier told her, right? Because mm-hmm. she wasn't with him uh, as far as, you know, what he did after that. But I, I did... I would have thought that that would have come up 
from him to her, but um, it really, to me, didn't seem like it was her focus. I think she was more, I certainly didn't get the the impression from her that she thinks her son has anything to do with this. The impression I got from her was that she was pissed off at these people for coming to her house and, you know, she's in an election year and people are now starting rumors wanting to know why the cops are at her house. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I just want to acknowledge, uh, Nicole, I just saw your your chat about not being able to get through the uh, Rolando interview. Uh, she says it sounded like the microphone was in a potato chip bag. Fair enough. Fair enough. There were yeah. definitely a lot of rustling moments where we're all sort of going, wow, that's loud in my ear and what is happening? Um, so appreciate so you giving when... that summary at the top, Bob, too, in case people were like, I can't do this. Yeah. And that's why I did that. Also, again, there wasn't a whole lot of really important information I needed to listen to. But yeah, as as a podcaster, somebody that works in audio all the time, I find myself screaming at a lot of these police interviews. And you forget, like they're just—it's probably a microphone that's on their 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 vest or their belt or something. I'm like, idiot! Stop scratch! Stop scratching your chest! You're scratching the microphone. Yeah, like, you can hear what they're doing when they do some of that stuff. But yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, okay, next is from uh, Jason says, uh, it was very clear that LeClaire acted like a, a freshly neutered puppy around Bonnie. <laughs> when was this interview? Was this before he settled on his gay theory or after? He definitely didn't have the stones to ask Mama Bear. Uh, it was kind of right in the middle of it. This was October 5th. So uh, Javier was interviewed on... The 25th. So he interviewed at the scene on the 18th. He was interviewed on the 25th. I remember when Corey Donovan's interview, some of the interviews where he starts asking the gay questions, um, but they were right in that time frame. The 5th actually, so the interview you did hear uh, back in episode 13 or whatever it was, the where they were at Javier's work and were asking him about taking a polygraph, um, that was also October 5th. So I don't know. So it was the same day. That interview was the same day as this interview with Bonnie, and I don't know timing-wise which was first I, or second. I think the way that I took it was Javier's interview was first because you, because Bonnie asks a, about that, about uh-huh. like, why are you looking for him? She's like, he's like, oh, I found him at work, and we talked to him. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so I do think that that's more, I mean, it, it became first. Yeah. Oh, yep, good. That makes yeah. Sense. I couldn't remember because nice it's been two weeks since I listened to yeah. it. But yeah, so she said, so yeah, so they went, they talked to Javier at work, they missed a call from Bonnie, and then they came back and then called Bonnie back. And that's what you heard. Gotcha. And just, yeah, I, I picked Jason's because I, I his choice of words made me giggle. But there were a lot of people who definitely noticed that it sort of seemed like maybe LeClaire was tempted to ask and kind of danced around it. Um, so shout out to all of you who noticed that and called mm-hmm. it out. Nicole says, it seemed to me that Javi's mom played more of a friend role to her son and his friends. The fact that his mom was so invested in what Becky was or wasn't doing with her son was a little eyebrow raising for me. That being said, I'm not saying Javi had anything to do with the crime. But when you have an adult that has clearly been overly involved in their kid's life, you have to question whether she would be truthful or say what she needed to say to protect her son. She seemed like she was being pretty honest to me because, I mean... I mean, I, I think anybody listening could tell, like, she wasn't really mincing words. Like, mm-hmm. she did the impression I got was that she didn't care for Becky, or at least didn't care for Becky being around her house and around her son all the time. If you notice, she never says her name. Yeah. I can't say never because you might have, but I, I remember listening, noticing that it's always that girl. Well, yeah. That girl. That's definitely um, come up in the a- chat as well. Um, couple of, a couple of different folks did not, did not necessarily care for that. And I, I totally hear that. 
that um but i don't think i don't think she was totally playing the friend i think she had a good balance because she talked about like letting the friends stay and doing all this but she's like i wouldn't let them party here yeah she's like but it also sounded like she was there's a points where she was saying like i'm not stupid they're probably partying somewhere mm-hmm. so i don't think she's totally playing that that best friend role that some people might think she's playing to she's Javier. She is to me, I mean, I could see myself and her a lot with my kids, you know, for my older, you know, I've got a senior in high school. I have rules. We just talked about some of it in the Patreon thing. You know, I, I have, you know, definitely have rules. And we'll crack down when I need to, but also I'm pretty flexible with my kids and my, and my kids are able to talk to me about stuff, which, um, it's hard to find that you'll know when your kids get a little older, um, when they get to be teenagers, it's really hard to find that balance where they still respect you as a parent. Um, but also feel comfortable talking to you about yeah. important things. Um, so yeah, and she seems like she's right there. So from her, from the impression I got from her, anyway. Yeah, and, and just to name you guys, uh, Lauren and Hannah and, and um, Joanne. I, I uh, going back to the that girl thing. You know, I mean, it did it did seem to me. You know, I think she was again. She was very forthcoming with that. That she was like, I didn't approve. Um, and so I think that sort of w- was maybe a reason that if she falls into the that girl category is, you know, thinking about her as a mom going, you know, OK, so my son has a crush on this girl. This girl knows that my son has a crush on her. They're sleeping in the same bed together. She's told me, yes, I know your son has a crush on me, but I don't want it. I don't want that. Like, you know, I think I'm sure she didn't wouldn't have wished anything horrible like that on anyone. Um, but it's almost like she's separating her as she's talking about it and she's thinking about those things, that's when the sort of protective, like, I don't care for that. Like, I don't care for that girl. Right. Maybe, you know, feeling protective of her son. Um, but it's not ideal in the circumstances of what happened that, you know, there's still sort of a feeling of maybe resentment or something. But again, she rem- yeah, she reminds but- me so much of friends of, uh, of parents of, of friends of mine who, you know, it's like, yeah, come over to my house, party here. Don't do something somewhere else. I want to know that you're here. Uh, I don't right. approve, but I know you're going to do it. So why don't you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like that felt very familiar to me. Right. Um, uh, Caroline uh, says, while Bonnie Garcia's interview seems to match with Javi's account of his recount of his day earlier, she wasn't home. So she can't say what he did that night except from what he told her. Do you think her campaign had anything to do with why Javi wasn't spoken to again after additional interviews were taken where people kept saying to talk to Javi? If there was a sense of like, let's just keep this on the down low. This is a tense time of year. We don't need any trouble. Or I mean, I think that's what Caroline's kind of saying. Uh, no, I think Javi had to do with that. So the, the interview that I'm going to put. So uh, Javi was interviewed again on the 18th, the 25th and the 5th. You've heard all of those. Uh, his final interview was on the 10th. Um, five days later, and we hear a very different Javier in that interview as far as his his attitude towards Leclerc. Um, and it's it's pretty clear after that interview that he's done talking to them. Got it. Jill F. says, Observations. Javi's mom says she thinks Javi, Becky, and friends went to Del Taco for lunch on Sunday. I think crime scene photos show a Del Taco cup in Becky's car. Two, Jacob's mom says his favorite aunt died two weeks after Becky. Jacob's brother said favorite aunt died about one year after Becky, which is a big difference from two weeks. Yeah, the Del Taco thing. I mean, it's a good. They're both good observations as far as the timing of when the aunt died. I don't. I don't think there's anything to fair. Remember, this is ten years later. Right. So and 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 Rolando is not 
friends with Becky, you know, so right. that wasn't a significant you know, for him. Like for him, I could see him like lumping together. This happened about a year apart. Um, whereas like for Jacob or his mom that was, you know, closer to them, they would, you, it was more significant. The time frame would have been more significant for, for them, but, uh, good observations. I don't think that it's anything for us to worry about. Yeah. Um, I thought the Del Taco thing was interesting. Just the sort of like, oh, maybe that confirms that exact, you know, place and time. I'm but. loving where we're at right now. And, uh, I want to shout out Teresa Dunn, who I mentioned last week, I think that is, has been going through, the um the phone records and we're and i have them now and i'm reviewing them there i'm going to get into them in this week's episode and we're kind of going back and forth about cleaning things up for how they can be published but she's put together 65 pages <gasps> of oh, Teresa. phone records amazing um, but it's like it's it's like this moment where we've got all these interviews we've got all these accounts and all these these hypotheses and theories about who was doing what when and like now we have this account of the phone activity uh, from from Tuesday all the way on through the murders, and we're starting. It, it's neat because you're able to like confirm like, well, Javier said that he was with Becky on. I'm just I'm throwing a random example that's made up, but he was with Becky on Wednesday night, and you can look at the phone records like, oh well, she was. They were texting and calling back and forth on, and then after six o'clock. She's using her phone and Javier's, but they're not talking to each other. So that adds up that they were together and, you know, they went to Sky Valley to get the phone and you can see the gap. Like you can start to like see where these things can be verified and pieced together based on the phone records now. That's amazing, Um, Teresa. You're awesome. Yeah. And the Del Taco thing is like, that's what reminded me of it. It's like, it's like, okay, well, there she said they went to Del Taco and it's like, oh, but and we saw a Del Taco cup in her car. So that part, we're starting Mm -hmm. to, again, start to, you know. What's nonsense? What can we rule out? And what what is reality? Right. Uh, Orpheus says, does this mean Jacob's brother, one, never confirmed timeline that Jacob was visiting, and two, provided insight into Jacob's state of mind between Thursday and Sunday? And to piggyback off the second point, would have been nice to know if Jacob really was telling people they were broken up or not in those days, or if maybe he thought the relationship still had uh, a chance or was still alive. I'm not sure I understand. I think the, he's. I think. The question part yeah, the first one is just like okay, so they talked to him so late that it's he couldn't really help with the right. what nights was he actually there. That was sort exactly. of like a lost cause because they didn't bother following yeah. up on that in the first place. Yes. Um, and then, and then also like, and yet we have. Rolando saying kind of what we talked about earlier, which is like, but he was really worried. I do remember that he was worried. He was worried about not hearing mm-hmm. back from Becky. Um, and then, you know, he just sort of like, and that sort of sent him to the place of like, gosh, it would have been nice to know if he was actually telling people that they were broken up uh, as we've heard, or if he wasn't telling people that and only Javi was telling people that. Yeah. I say, cause we heard it again from Bonnie who said that they had, you know, they had broken up right before, but again, Bonnie's, source of intel from that would probably come from from Javier. Right. Sarah KM says, I mentioned this in another post, but when LeClaire asked Bonnie if any of Javi's friends drove a truck, her immediate response was, what color? Any thoughts on this? Seemed a little strange, especially since apparently the only friend with a truck was Corey. Why not just say that? Why not just answer simply with that? Yeah, I don't know. It was it was an interesting way to to respond to that instead of just saying, yes, they have a, you know, Corey has a truck. Instead of like going the the, the the kind of roundabout way, like what color? And you wonder how much, you know, I don't know how much interaction she has with her ex-husband who's got connection to the case. And 
how much information is filtered from Javi Senior to Javi Junior to her, um, or if you know, we we don't have much of a baseline with Bonnie to know like is that kind of her? Would that be a typical you know give me more detailed type of type of response or um, yeah? So I, I don't know if it means anything. Gotcha. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Soledad, oh, really tried to not butcher Soledad's beautiful name and instead absolutely butchered it. Uh, Soledad said, who do we think was calling and leaving messages for Jacob's mom? She kept asking the cop if he was the one that had been calling her. And he said no one from the sheriff's department had tried to contact her in years. Yeah, I was a little confused by that. You know, I don't know if it means anything, but I was confused by that, too, because at first it sounded like someone had just been calling her a bunch. But then it sounded like maybe she was talking about a year before that or something. There's a there is a a lot of overlap we're hearing. So think like the, the 2015 Nick Crum interviews when he's like, well, somebody was talking to me. What it was is the um, there were defense investigators working on the case at the same time that the sheriff's department was working on it. And Ron Friedley had hired a private investigator. So, you know, once. Once the uh, Robert and Christian had the charges dropped and had been released and they were working on building another case. So they had their defense was tracking things down. I think the Friedley's PI was still trying to figure out, figure things out and the police were. So I'd assume it's, it's a PI uh, from either the defense or from Ron Friedley. Yeah. I kind of thought that might be the case. Um, uh, Rachel L and some other folks um, were, had a question regarding J- Jacob's mom interview uh, in the recording, it sounded like they were arranging to fully interview her the following day. Do we know if that happened? Did you say something about that earlier? I didn't. Okay. Uh, but no, I don't. I, as far as I know, that interview never happened. That was the the end of that contact. Hmm. And we get a little context, too, when he's talking to Austin. And um, I think it was just Austin, maybe somebody else, when, they, when they're saying that, yeah, we'd love to. Or I guess it was with Rolando, too, where, the, where they're saying, yeah, we'd love to talk to Jacob, but there's a barrier there. Uh, and from my understanding, the barrier is that just what his mom said, like, if you have a subpoena, we'll talk to you. Uh, he's got an attorney and he ain't talking and they never pursued that. Yeah. That's actually, um, a question that I have from Karen, uh, who was a little curious about that. And just, I'll say before I read this, just wanting to be sensitive to, you know, everything that sort of surrounds this question and what you just brought up. But um, what did you think of Jacob's mother using the word recovery when saying Jacob was recovering from some sort of breakdown? She was reluctant to comment on it and then said recovery, which sounds to Karen more like an addiction issue than a psychological issue. I don't want to speculate on it because yeah. it, 
I almost cut some of that stuff out, and it had she given a diagnosis at all, I would have cut it out. Um, I was I, I, I was actually shocked that he asked that. That was like, I don't know why, but it was so brazen, and it was such a thing that, like, I guess you got to try, but it was such a HIPAA violation. Like, everything about it just felt like, whoa, 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 don't ask g- that. Good- like, uh and good for Jacob's mom. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He, 100%. Yeah, that's when private. He said, yeah, when he said that, you know, was is he does he have diagnosis and she said that's private. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like good for her because that's, you know, even if we want more information, I'm always actually happy to see someone who is doing the things that we try to teach people to 100%. Do, which is, yeah. You know. and, and I said it, I mean I said it earlier, I don't necessarily feel like she was protecting Jacob from this case. I think she was protecting right. his mental Jacob. Health. She was protecting, protecting Jacob. Yeah, I think yeah. that's yeah. that's so true, Zap. I'm so glad you said that because um, that was a, that it was really good to hear from his mom and to hear from his brother because you know as many people have mentioned did mention and uh, in the follow up and and elsewhere, um, of course we do have this impression of Jacob from his own behavior in in the in the interviews that he was really chill about it or that he seemed nonchalant or you know friends who said oh he didn't seem bothered by it um and then we have his family members saying no he he had a very strong reaction to the combination of that and what happened with his aunt and um you know it really puts into perspective like you know sometimes people can't express their feelings or they choose not to or they're uncomfortable about it but sometimes that means you're bottling it up even more um, and then when right. it does come out, it's you don't know how to handle it and stuff. So that made me feel a lot of compassion for him, too. And it kind of serves as a good springboard for, again, us to just kind of check in with the idea of the fact that there are people who do survive in one way or another situations like this and are potentially re-traumatized by being approached by it, being asked to talk about it. And that doesn't mean that you don't want to do a good job and investigate and follow up. but. Um, but if but, you know, if we hear ne- we, we hear with this that it's possible that, you know, he's going to reignite some of that anxiety or that um, sadness or the depression by talking about it. So I don't know. I just thought it was a good way of reminding all of us, you know, yeah, like people get re-traumatized by stuff when it's dug into For again, sure. you know, no more intel at all on the Marine Becky was dating a couple folks just. Wanted to circle back on that since we heard it, as you said, nothing in the episode but, from But Bonnie. it was important to me to hear, you know, because that was when when Robert mentioned, I think there was a Marine and then some other people were saying, no, there was no Marine. And there was kind of, you know, that was looked on, I think, negative, negatively about Robert that he was like making up some imaginary person to try. But according to Bonnie, who said she heard from Becky herself that she was, in fact, dating a Marine. So that's. At some point, and that's just, and that's all we know. We don't know any more details about it. I read somewhere in the case file that that, that the Marine's name was Dane. I can't remember where that came from, hmm. um, but that's there's I, I haven't seen anything else to, to 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 verify or get any more information about him. But to me, it was it's 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 worth noting that she was in fact dating a Marine, according to Bonnie, who said she heard that directly from Becky. Got it. Um, Sarah, uh, G was just kind of thinking about, you know, this idea of where Becky was staying and did she have a regular couch circuit? You know, were the, were those the only two places she stayed? I think we do know that she also stayed at Claire's, right? Um, and, Mm -hmm. you know, was just trying to figure out 
like if she was maybe doing it to avoid home or if it really was just a matter of convenience and sort of safety working those late nights. Um, I would just add to that that, you know, here we have Bonnie saying that that Becky was over there a lot. So it sounds like she didn't say. And then that stopped once Becky was dating Jacob. So I don't know. It sounds like maybe they weren't necessarily always at Jacob's or, you know. Yeah. And I had a hard time kind of parsing through that when she was, you know, because we talked about this last week about, you know, she was basically living with Jacob. Yeah. But then after that, she was with with Javier. She obviously spent some time and nights with Javier. So I, I wish they would ask a little bit more. I guess maybe they felt they didn't have a reason to. But like, was this more recent? Was it just in the last week or that she was like spending the night at your house? Because she said that she was she pointed out that she was there spending the night on Saturday night. Um, which to me was a, where a lot of the, it's like how much of these feelings and stuff that she had going on all came from her, like coming home on, on Sunday morning and being like, God, why is she here spending the night? Um, but, but I remember being that age and I never spent the night at home. Right. Like mm-hmm. a, around that time frame, you were always going, you were always doing something. You're hanging out with somebody. You're at your girlfriends. Yeah. You're out of buddies. Yeah. You're at wherever. But so, it seemed like she based. The, the the impression I get is that she had moved in, I'm doing air quotes, moved in with Jacob, where he, she was basically, but she was, like, nothing was official. Like, like I'm thinking, like, she maybe she has her toothbrush and her stuff there, and that's kind of her, like, main headquarters. But she also spends the night a lot at her friend Claire's house, sometimes at Jake, uh, at Javier's house. And I don't know that that it doesn't seem like based on phone records. So you see a lot of communication back and forth with her house. I don't think it was because she had an issue with her house. Mm-hmm. It was just that's where her boyfriend lived. That's where her friends lived. Mm-hmm. That's where her work was. So she pretty much stayed down there. Side note, I moved in with my wife like that. Like she she had an apartment in her friends and uh, I was just was there all the time. And they're like, you might as well just say you live here and pay a little bit of the rent and make it easier on everybody. And that's how he tricked Michelle into marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed at that. That was cruel dollars a month in rent. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's all I have for the uh, current case episode. Everything from here okay. on out uh, is Adnan. Okay. Well, let's do it. Okay. Um, well, many, many folks uh, were just kind of touching base on the Facebook page to follow up to see how they could continue to support Adnan. Um, there, is, there are a few different places you can go. You can go to the follow-up. Um, the follow-up post on the Facebook page because a couple of fine folks provided, I think, some links. Um, is there anywhere else we can send? Certainly, Rabia yeah, has Rabia. tweeted about it. Rabia. Yeah, she's got stuff up there. Yeah. There are two places. Um, and yeah, and Patreon. I would say, what's up? Oh, I said and Patreon. That's where I, I do like $25 of something, something like for just towards mm-hmm. it non legal stuff. So you can do it on Patreon as well. Yeah. Right now, Rabia is putting out, uh, I just saw this morning, she put out on thing like Instagram and Twitter, there were links. Uh, There's one link where you can donate money to help a non-transition back to home. As we know from Ed 8, there's a lot of expense to that. Um, And then there's another link to buy shirts and merchandise that say, I think, hashtag, we freed a non. And and so both of those are the best place. According to Rabia, those are the best places to go to to help support him. Perfect. 
a lot of other folks were had the same thought I had, which if you listened to the end of last week's follow up after the credits, um, I was like, this has to be Colin's bombshell. Something. This has to be the bombshell. If you're a listener to Undisclosed, you know that um, Colin's been holding on to a bombshell for what feels like 10 years. Um, yeah. And uh, Rabia did a Instagram live on um, that same day when we recorded. So it was last Wednesday. Um and she said it. none of it was Colin's bombshell. Someone asked in that chat, and she said none of it's Colin's yeah. bombshell. So, y'all, I don't know what this bombshell is, but one day we'll know. Ra- Rabia promised, she said, one day when this is all squared away, we promise we'll tell you everything. We'll tell you what we couldn't say at the time, including the bombshell. Yeah. It, th- this was a surprise to Rabia and everyone. Like, I don't think they... They may have had a little more heads up than... The general public did, but I, but I think maybe hours or a day yeah. when the when the the motion was filed, like this was something Marilyn Mosby's office did on their own, uh, it, which which speaks volumes to what just happened here uh, for the Adonis guilty crowd. I had some jackass tweeted at me or messaged me something. She's like, she's like, you're so it's something like you're so ignorant. Obviously he's guilty. I thought you were smarter than oh, that. <laughs> and I was just like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad. I'm not as smart as you um, to figure this out. I'm sure you know much better than the fucking prosecutor who has the entire case file right. and thinks that he should go free. Sorry. That's my little rant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Appreciate that. It's yeah. merited. Don't come at me with that shit. I'm in a new place in my life where that's I right. just tell you to go fuck yourself. That's right. He sure is. Uh, really no, is. I've been getting some of that, too. And it's like it rolls off so quick. It's so nice when you just are positive, like when you're just like, no, like I got I yeah. got nothing for you. There's just no doesn't bother me. Um, Kristen says, what does house detained mean? How long is that in effect? 30 days. So um, so he was sent home. House detained, which I assume means ankle bracelet. Um, basically, he was released without bail on his own recognizance. Um, I didn't get, I didn't, he, I haven't seen or heard the details of his house detained, um, but typically that would mean like an ankle bracelet, but they, they have, so as of right now, Adnan, the conviction has been vacated, but he is still charged with the crime. So if we're looking at a timeline, like if you go back in the, the way back machine and we rewind to where he's at right now is after he's been arrested but hasn't been tried yet now back in 1999 he was he did not get bail and he was serving that time he was spending that time in jail so that's where he is legally speaking where he's at right now is he's still charged with the crime and hasn't been tried yet the state has 30 days to either put in for a trial date to retry him and if they are not prepared to do that within 30 days, then they have to drop the charges, which would take him back to the place as though he had never even been arrested for this. However, and I'll, I'll break, and this may be answering some of the the coming questions. Mm-hmm. So you understand, I'll put it all together here to understand the process. If that happens, if they drop the charges, that does not mean that they can't recharge him later. So they could, you know, he he's free and clear. They have no hold over him. They have no way to detain him. He is not charged. He's just a free man. And on his record, it looks as though he has never even been charged with this crime. But if they found new evidence, they could recharge him at that point 
and then have 30 days to schedule a, to get a trial scheduled. Um, some people were asking me about like double jeopardy, but he was already, it's not double jeopardy because the, the procedure that just went through has made it as though the, the, the first two trials, um, cause remember there was a mistrial as though the trials didn't, it, it never happened. They like, they don't exist. It's, it's, it's taken us all the way back. Um, other than, you know, spending at, over two decades in prison. Yeah. 23 years in prison. Um, uh, but just legally yep. speaking, um, and then as far as, and of course, a lot of people are asking, will they try him again? We'll get in, I'm sure with some of these questions, we'll get into like talking some nitty gritty details, but at a, at a basic standpoint, I would say there is a zero possibility they're going to try him again because remember they had a very weak case against him to begin with, but the case was built upon Jay Wilds saying that, that he saw the body in, in the trunk and helped Adnan bury the body gave this account of how, when, and where they went that day and how they did it, and that was was supposedly corroborated by the cell phone records. That's all they had on it on. Now, there's all the stuff we know. So, so first of all, those couple things. One, Jay will never testify again. First of all, I don't think that he would, and I don't think anybody would attempt to have him testify again because the story had changed multiple times before the trial. His story has now changed since the trial in his Intercept interview. Uh, and he even had, had made comments to Amy Berg uh, that Ritz and McGillivary made him say things. So all that is out there and all would be impeachable evidence coming to trial. So Jay's out. So you don't have a witness saying anything about seeing him or helping him. The cell phone records have been deemed to be unre- completely unreliable and can't be used. So they would have to try him with no cell phone records and no Jay, which means there's no case. It, 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 now, if they found new evidence or something, that would be part of it. Based on what they have now, they also would – the defense would be now armed with all of the hard work uh, that that Rabia and Susan and Colin and so many of you guys have all done. There's all this new evidence. You know, like we have verified with 100% certainty that Coach Sai absolutely alibis it non. You know, we've gone through the historical weather data, and we know that on – that there was – exactly one day during Ramadan where Adnan would have been fasting. That was over 50 degrees where they had practice. And that was the day of the murders. Um, all the things that was done to break down the Nisha call, the Nisha calls out, which people still like to quote that to me. And also go fuck yourself. Um, if you want to talk to me about the, the Nisha, they're call. just, those are just uh, people who listen to cereal and that was it. I think. Yeah. It's all this stuff has been discredited. So, so as far as where things stand now, in my opinion, there is zero possibility that Adnan would get retried. Yeah. Um, and I got more I could ramble about, but I want to see where the questions are so we can direct them towards those questions. Sure. Um, however, I just want to add that is an awesome thing that the prosecution did because they didn't have to list all of those things in their petition. And right. the fact that we now have we are now armed with even if, you know, she leaves office and then incoming uh, prosecutors like, no, 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 I actually do want to try him. Like it looks so bad for them that their own On office the said, let's yeah. go ahead. Like, it was such a gift. It was such a gift. And they knew exactly what they were doing. You know, they knew that they yep. were saying, no, we're going to pack everything in here so that you got nothing if you disagree with us and you go want to go forward with this. We're going to go ahead and cut all of the legs out from under this. It's so great. Yeah, because in cause starting in um, January, the new DA will take over. But yeah, she, she has set it up to where... And, and this is not like cheating. What she did was make clear and put on the record, yeah. like, hey, new prosecutor, if you want to try him, 
you're going to do it fair. Yes. And you're going to do it by the book. And you're not going to use all this bullshit to try him again. Yes. Uh, and, and and that was it, it was amazing that she did that. And uh, are there any questions in there? Because somebody mentioned in the chat that I want to talk about a little bit at mm-hmm. some point. Did anybody, does anybody have any questions about what the attorney general said? Yes. Yeah. So, but let me just make sure. There definitely was something. I just wanted to make sure. I can't remember if it's in here or not. Why don't you go ahead and address it now, and I'll shout it out as I scroll down. If um, if we so if Brian answered. Frosch from the Attorney General's office, which is who had the file, had the case file for these last seven years, and oh man, in the press conference was Marilyn Mosby throwing shade at them, uh, and without naming names, at them, at Thiru Bignaraja, who was the one that was prosecuting the uh, the post conviction hearings. Um, but Brian Frosch from the attorney general said, this is all grossly misstated. Mm-hmm. All of this evidence was available to the defense to review at any time. Like basically saying like, how dare you say we hid this, but that is absolute bullshit because the defense, the attorney general's office did let the defense view the case file. Susan Simpson was there with them. They went through every single page of it. And that this information was not there. Someone had pulled it out. Yeah. When they viewed it, when they reviewed the case file, and it sounds like, which I did, I did get to, and I'm sure we have questions about serial too. Uh, Sarah Koenig with Serial did put out uh, uh, an update episode, and she gave information that I hadn't heard yet. So I'm guessing it must have come from Mosby, but she said this information about these these suspects were handwritten notes by the police mm-hmm. that were that were in the file. And again, Susan said. Those were not in there before. Right. Mm. Yes. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, Marianne and many other folks are curious about whether Adnan is going to have, once this piece of it is sort of over, if they don't uh, renew charges, um... Or if they don't, they don't. Uh, if they drop the charges, what has to happen for Adnan to be able to sue the state of Maryland uh, for wrongful conviction? Is that an option? Talk to us about that. I think it's an it's an option. It goes state by state, but there are federal statutes. I think it's the 1983 is the type of lawsuit they call it. Um, uh, typically, you have to be proven actually innocent. Um, if if they drop the charges on him. I don't know because he's kind of in limbo there, right? Because like they've dropped charges on him, but they haven't declared him actually innocent. Um, maybe at that point he could. Now, if an arrest is made and somebody else is convicted and he's proven to be actually innocent, then I would think for sure at that point he could. And that's really a lot of the other kind of chatter that we're all speculating on is um, 
you know, do they know more? And I see this in here, Teresa and and some of y'all um, that, you know, everybody's kind of going, well, they sure gave a lot of information in that petition, but is it possible they're holding back even more? And are they closer to knowing who did it than they are letting on? And could they make an arrest of someone like perhaps even within the 30 days that they have the decision that they can make about it on? Um, like, yeah. it's very, very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I suspect they've got a pretty damn good idea who did it. Um, I sure hope so. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, with along the lines of the handwritten note, Orpheus in the chat and the YouTube chat uh, said they didn't think that handwritten notes had to be included or was it dependent on state jurisdiction? Inform- it doesn't matter what the medium is. Information has to be included. What we learned from the handwritten notes is that the police knew about this information. The police knew that the uh, – I'll just give it – None of this, this is just my interpretation of the motion. I think it's pretty clear that that Alonzo Sellers, Mr. S, is one of the suspects. Yeah. And that's just for me, that's not coming from anybody else. Yeah. Um, but he, so he's, you have the person that found the body, and it doesn't say exactly who's tied to what thing. Right. But it sounded like they, it seemed to me they were saying that he had a motive to kill Hay and he threatened to kill Hay and make her disappear. If not, it's the other suspect who I'm also 98% sure I know who that is too. Yeah, that's out there um, by a lot of di- a lot of different people have yeah, I, have said. I think it's Bilal yeah. is the other person yeah. who I don't think has any connection to the crime, but um uh, the definitely stuff was, was withheld from them. But the point being, the police knew the person who found the body and failed the polygraph had a motive to kill and what the motion says is means motive and opportunity to kill. And had threatened her, that information, whether it's a handwritten note or a typed up report or whatever, that information had to be turned over to the defense and it never was. Right. Um yeah, the 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 who the who threatened to kill her is I will be very glad when we have a definitive answer on that. That is so troubling and so mm-hmm. shocking that that was just in there. That was in there. Oh, Baltimore. Bless. Okay. Um, Of course, people are wondering if this just means that, you know, uh, another person that you've always felt deeply needed more looking into as much as possible would be Dawn and whether or not any of this negates that. I think you've already kind of publicly on the YouTube even said, like, I don't I don't think it I don't think it negates him at all. Um, Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. So and that's only because we don't have enough information. So we know based on on what what the Marilyn Mosby's filings or the, her office's filings that the police knew that someone told them that one of these suspects had a motive to kill Hay and had threatened her. If those things are true, so so there's two the different levels here those are absolutely brady violations those are that is information that the defense could have used and would have used to present a defense against this that hey why are you looking at him when we have this information this person's over here whether that means they actually are the person's responsible is a completely separate issue and i don't have enough information to know like i don't know what was the motive 
you know, could it be just that, you know, could it be Bilal and has something to do with a non-dating someone who wasn't Muslim? I don't, I have no idea what that is. So I haven't seen enough information about the two suspects for me to say, oh, well, then it must not have been, you know, someone else, anyone else. Um, and I've, as you guys know, very publicly, I've always thought that, that Don needed a much closer look. I think it's, it's very clear on the record that he and his, his mom and stepmom took active steps to create an alibi for him, to falsify time cards for him. He was unreachable until after one o'clock in the morning that night. There's all these reasons. So to me, like, yeah, he, I mean, I've never, I've never accused him or said he did it, but to me, yeah, he still remains a suspect for me in my mind until I see evidence that someone else did it. So, so no, it hasn't, it hasn't changed my opinion on that, but I, but I am certainly very happy that we, we find out here's all the evidence and the DNA comes back and it was this person over here and he had nothing to do with it. Then I'm perfectly happy to concede that, 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 well, you know, he, there was reasons that he should have been a suspect, but he didn't do it just the same as these people, these new, these two suspects, there's obviously reason for them to be suspects, but it doesn't mean that they did it. Right. And the people in YouTube are, are, have, have grabbed on to your theory that perhaps it was uh, Alonzo Sellers who threatened her. There are people like, wait, 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 what? But just to reiterate, we don't know that. We don't know that it's him no. at all because he definitely like there. I I know we talked about this before, but I, he did not work at Woodlawn. We would know that. That would be like everywhere. He worked, and, at, he worked at Copeland right. um, University, which was close by. So we and don't know what I kind thought, of interaction they would have ever had for him to be right. making that threat. Yeah. And and it, and the motion didn't say that the motion was ambiguous on purpose. So it said there's these two suspects, and here are things that could be applied to either of the suspects. So we don't know. Um, they could have been talking about about Blah. That was we don't or, or whoever the other suspect is. That's who I think that the other suspect is. Right. Um, but I did. I went uh, season one, episode thirty two is an episode I did on Mr. S. Uh, I think I posted a link to it as a good refresher. But I listened back to it because I couldn't remember all the deep. Because I remember at the time, and I think I said it in that episode. When he failed the polygraph, his story about finding the body doesn't make sense. Why would? But it was what I said in that episode was, at least from what we know, is that he has no connection to Hay, right? No opportunity to be around to around Hay. So I can't see him as being a a a good suspect unless there's some reason why he might have had means motive opportunity. Now, if that exists, that would certainly change my opinion of that. Right. Um, but in that, I was in that episode is when I, I listening back, I recalled it, that he didn't. I thought he was a janitor at Woodlawn. That's just what my mind did. But no, it wasn't Woodlawn. It was at the high school. It was at Copeland College, which was still right in the same neighborhood. Gotcha. Brandy C says, "Will you possibly have an interview with Adnan at some point in the future?" I hope so. I've been very hands off with a lot, a lot of this. Um, when we got the news on last Wednesday about the motion, um, I there's there's I've been there with Ed and know how insane it is, and so much media and everybody wanted to contact. Um, so with Ro- I just sent Robbie a message and said, "I'm so happy. I love you. Just wanted to, you know don't you don't need to respond whatever." And she replied back a few hours later and said, "Love you too. Can't wait to see it at uh, Obsessed Fest." I've been. This this is not my place right now to be adding to all of that. So I, I hope that yeah, once things settle down, 
I would love to have a non on and have a conversation, but I want to give him his space. I want to give Rabia and Adnan's family their time. And I know Rabia, I'm sure, has media things going on between the podcast and you saw in all our Insta um, videos that there's camera crews around. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. they're doing an update for the documentary. So I'm just letting all that happen right now. I- I'm really happy you said that because I think a lot of people need to understand that they're Anad needs time. He he yeah. needs time. Like rushing him out. I mean, this is amazing that he's free, but all these people hounding him now for interviews and wanting to see him and talk to him and take pictures with him. So that's stressful. not what we, that's not what he needs. Yeah. yeah. He needs time to adjust. I mean, he's yeah. had his life taken away. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's exactly right. And, and is it my, my position? Cause I've had a lot of people have messaged me about stuff and it, some, someone messaged me and they were like, you don't seem very excited about that. First of all, I mm-hmm. don't do much social media. Yeah. But secondly, I'm just like I don't I don't see myself as in a position. This had nothing to do with me or anything that I've done. I this this right now I think the focus needs to be on Adnan. It needs to be on Rabia and Susan and Colin. It needs to be on Marilyn Mosby and her amazing team that did this and Adnan's attorneys. Like those are the those are, I I've just it's not that I have I mean those of you that watched the live saw how emotional I am about this, but it's just I just really feel strongly that this is not my place. To be, you know, waving a flag saying, look at me about it. Because people were asking about, will I do an update episode? And I said, no, I'm not. Because Undisclosed did an episode, uh, update episode. They did a very good job. All the information's there. I'm not going to do another episode recanting or, you know, restating everything they stated. Just go listen to Undisclosed and do that. It's not because I don't care. It's just because I just don't think it's my place right now to do that. Yeah. Um, Well, I think that's wonderful and totally respect that and agree. Um, Connie says, is there any way for Kevin Urich, Greg McGillivary and William Ritz uh, to be held accountable for their actions? Probably not. Um, The police and prosecutors have immunity. Isn't Urich a judge now? uh, I think so. Because if that's true, that should make you not ever sleep at night again. Right. I I hope that I, I, I had hopes that Mosby's office might file charges against them. She didn't. Maybe that's still coming, but we've seen it before. I think there was one prosecutor in Texas a few years ago that actually got convicted of prosecutorial misconduct and served 11 days in jail. They're just the immunity is just too strong with it. I don't know if it's worth the effort. They sh- he should be disbarred. As far as him and Theru, in my opinion, should be disbarred because uh, Theru should have known that that stuff was in that file too. It, while he continued to fight against, after the cell phone evidence was proven that it should have overturned the conviction, found a way to fight it with a time-barred argument, knowing full well the whole time that this information was in the file. It's um, pretty slimy. But I just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see that. But it, yeah, in a perfect world, I think that um, Kevin Urich should have to serve 23 years in prison so that he can, he can do what, because of his actions caused a non to serve 23 year in prison. I think a very safe, a a fair sentence for him would be for him to serve 23 years in prison. But unfortunately it's not a perfect world. Yeah. Um, Aaron just had a nice comment about like, you know, Maybe, like if Adnan ever needed advice, the idea of kind of connecting him with Ed Eights, which I thought was very sweet and lovely. This just yeah. the idea of like and, about, and talk, Damien yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh and Grayson 
uh, was just, you know, kind of, again, echoing everyone's excited. Uh, it's amazing that he's been able to walk out. Um, what does, is there anything he can do to sort of prove his innocence? Um, if he can, he will he be heard? Uh, do you, you know, what do you think about the timing of all of this, of Marilyn Mosby leaving office? And we've already even talked about, you know, with this case, the current case that we're working on, this idea of like how politics play a role in the lives of people um, that have profound ramifications. Any thoughts on timing, yeah. anything like that? I think the fact that Mosby's about to leave office speaks volumes to the legitimacy of this. Right. It, like if she was like getting ready to go into an election and she was like, I'm going to you know, do this to get everybody on my side. The fact that she's like, I've only got four months left to do the right thing and I'm going to do it, I think is 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 pretty amazing. Um, as far as what can Anon do, I, th- I think Anon, I'm trusting in Mosby and her team right now. Um, if you watch the press conference afterward, she what she she said, we are not ready to declare Adnan innocent. And then she said very clearly, yet. Right. But we're waiting on DNA to come back. Right. And and she made multiple statements indicating that they are this investigation is fully reopened and they are not gonna stop until they find out who killed Hay, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, she'd be lucky to come out on the right side of this. That's mm-hmm be quite an achievement for that office ever at all <laughs> with anything I, to, that has ever touched this case it would be amazing for it yeah. for her to be able to clean that up mm-hmm. I, I love the stance of justice over conviction yes. yes i think that was huge yes yep. yes i'm so glad you brought and, that and up to Dad, be fair and i know and i know mosby's taken a lot of shit for some stuff she's done there's a lot of politics that go on there um but i will say that and i don't know much about all that but i i know that this is not like this new like hashtag she put together for Adnan's case. Like she has had a track record of going back in, looking at bad convictions and getting them overturned and getting them freed. And, and this justice over convictions has been her motto for a long time. And it's probably what cost her the election. Um, cause she lost the, the primary, um, yeah. but she did stomp through thankfully. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, just just I just want to make that clear that this is not something that's that's new. Like that has been the way she has operated, which is extremely admirable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if anyone needs a refresher, post the wire. Uh, we own this city on HBO, which also has um, David Simon's DNA and um, is based off of a book that a Baltimore current Baltimore reporter did. That's it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a great resource for really hearing all the ways in which Baltimore is broken and all the ways in which it reflects the brokenness of cities everywhere. Almost done with everything I've got on this page. Um, real, real quick, yeah. before, you, before you go on another question, yeah. I want to point out Samantha uh, in the in the YouTube chat says, can we change the Constitution to reflect the idea of justice over conviction, please? The sad part, Samantha, is Constitution's already written that way. Yeah. And and that and that's that's what's so sad about our criminal justice system. Nowhere in our criminal justice system does it ever say anything about about clearance rates and win rates for prosecutors. The entire thing is written uh, on the idea of fairness and justice. Yeah. And what we need is prosecutors like Marilyn Mosby, who are are willing to actually do that job properly. Yeah. Uh, Richard says. And this is where we come into the serial thing. Eric and Richard both said, what do you think of all the vitriol being directed at serial? Um, 
Or is cereal getting too much attention when there are so many other places that more fully explo- uh, explored it, like Undisclosed, like you, et cetera? I have a – it's a tough question. There, There is certainly the accurate statement that without cereal, none of us would be doing what we're doing. And in Nan's case, would never have had the attention that it got. And so we should always, I think, forever be grateful for that. But that being said, I don't think that gives a free pass. I have serious issues with Sarah Koenig and cereal. Um, she and it's and it's it's not because she didn't because people are like, well, she was a journalist and she was being neutral, but she was intentionally ambiguous. She had information that it seems as though she intentionally left out or intentionally skewed to make it more ambiguous, to make it more interesting. A lot of the 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 trolling and the and the the huge negative movement against Adnan also exists because of cereal, which that's going to happen anyway. Right. But it was made worse because things were intentionally left out, because things were intentionally, I think, misrepresented. Um, and I also have a real. There's some things that happened personally after cereal came out when it made it very clear as, as that she was presenting herself as just having so much buy-in and really cared about this case. And it, 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 it certainly seemed like that wasn't actually the case. She would only poke her head around when there was an opportunity to make another podcast episode. Um, this one included, no, no one's heard a word from her about, about Adnan's case since 2016. And then the day's released. She's the first one sitting there with a microphone making an episode. Um, I'll say this. I understand where the vitriol comes from. I also understand the people that are like, hey, without her and without cereal, we would never, I wouldn't even have probably have this job, neither would Rabia. But the biggest thing that drives me crazy is when I've heard her talking about the case in the last several days where she's been interviewed and quoted and written, not one fucking word. About the undisclosed podcast, yes. about she's well, she Rabia said, yeah, she's like Rabia and others have done a little deeper digging. She, I think, she sort of yeah. put it that way. Yeah, like the fact that she has not, because what she should be saying is, after Serial, Rabia started her own podcast, undisclosed, with these two other two amazing lawyers, and they did an incredible deep dive and uncovered and proved things that I said, like the wrestling match was happening. They prove that that wasn't true, and that you know, but but they get no credit at all. Like, to to sum up what Rabia has done is, well, and Rabia and some others did some other di- you know right. digging is so fucking infuriating to me. Um, so that's I, that's my position on it. Is like I I certainly acknowledge we wouldn't be here today. Without her, but then again, yeah, I, I, this happened because of the work of the prosecutors, not because of a podcast. A hundred percent. And I, my sort of statement about this was, um, I accept that in this reality, exactly the way it played out, it played out, and we have serial to thank for it. Having spent the last almost ten years closely watching Rabia and everything she's done, and watching Justin Brown, and watching all the people who mm-hmm. fought and fought and fought, I am. As sure as I can be without never knowing that this would have come out anyway. I really believe that. Sarah was like the first person that she reached out to. 
If Sarah had said yeah. no, I firmly believe someone else would have said yes. And they could have had pull yeah. somewhere else. It could have been it could have gone to David Simon. It's a story about Baltimore, mm-hmm. a, a wrongful Baltimore conviction that's fascinating and juicy. And mm-hmm. I just think I appreciate serial in this reality. I also feel like we would have had like I don't think serial is what caused period full stop the true crime podcast movement. I don't believe that for a second. I think there's something called the collective conscience. I think conscious. The reason that people were sucked into that is because it was prime for that to happen. And I believe it would have happened anyway. I just do. Um, That doesn't mean I disrespect serial. um, But I do think that hanging it all on that is uh, such a misrepresentation of of the fact that Robbie was never going to stop and she would have found someone who would have told the story. We'll never know, but that's my if belief. she didn't tell it herself. Absolutely. Undisclosed could have happened even without Serial because she was desperate Correct. to keep fighting and to get this story into into people's ears. Right. And one way or another, I I don't I don't believe for a second that Robbie would not have pushed this across the finish line one way or another. Uh and the good news is Right now, it's it, there was a wonderful outcome. So we we can you know we can talk about this and hash it out. And and at the end of the day, Adnan is home with his family. So yeah. let's not lose sight of that. You know, for sure. Um, that's all I have except for Kathy McElhaney's final question. Just thought I would tack this on at the end. She says, "Do you have anything to say to Nancy Grace?" <laughs> No, I don't need to waste waste airspace. Good old Nancy. Uh, Listen, she, I found out my, my friend Shanti told me, cause he knows Nancy personally. He's like, no, she's actually really sweet. It's all an act. And when I went on her show, I realized that's a hundred percent true. She is sweet when she's off camera and it is all an act. And that's what's so infuriating to me is because she's talking about cases that involve real people and real people's lives and to, for a shtick to make money. To just always pick a side like that is, uh, yeah. She'll probably she'll probably make another show about it now, about how oh now now I now I can't sleep because I realized I might have been wrong about something. Who knows? Right. But anyway, it's a great week, and uh, we're making progress on our current case. I'm waiting right now. I'm, I'm tr- we're trying to get scheduled. There's a, a news outlet in Palm Springs that uh, wants to do a story with me about our podcast and. Um, and Robert and Christian's case. Uh, so hopefully if you're in the, the Palm Springs area, the Coachella Valley, you'll you'll hear that and see that hopefully very soon if that pans out. Uh, this weekend's episode, as I mentioned, I'm going to be going through the plan is, and again, I haven't, I haven't finished writing yet. I'm still just researching all those pages of, of phone records that Teresa's put together. Uh, but the plan is to um, go through the phone records through the perspective of what can we figure out that Becky was doing? Where was Becky? Who was she with? What was she doing from about Tuesday through the time of the murders, through the phone records? And then we have that other interview with Javier that may be part of that, or I may put that out as a bonus. So that's what's coming this weekend. Thank you guys all so much for joining us um, and for being here on the YouTube live. For those of you that were with us for the, uh, the, the zoom during a nonce thing. And uh, this is a week where we can, just take a deep breath and say, hot damn, you know, it, the work we're doing matters. Yeah. Bob, truly thank you for, for Monday's Zoom from all of us. Thank yeah. you. Yes, absolutely. You're very welcome. And I'm glad that so many of you are able to, it was uh, Jillian put it best when she said that 
that was the therapy session that I didn't know I needed. And that's how it, what it was for me too. For it was sure. Just a real quick idea. Like, Hey, let's hang out together. Cause, uh, you all are my people and I wanted to be with you guys in that moment. And we were able to do that. With that being said, let's end this and not make uh, Kelly work too much longer on her uh, vacation. She's in Ireland. She's on assignment in Ireland. <gasps> That's right. Love you, uh, Kelly. Great work. Oh, I hope you're having a great time. Drinking a Guinness yeah. while she's uh, while she's uh, editing our podcast. That's All right. right. That's it. We'll see you guys next week. Love you guys. Thanks, everybody. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website. TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. That was a slow and sexy one. One, two, three. Okay. Bye. Just me and you, Kelly. Just me and you. Yeah, me too. Thanks. I do so much better (laughs) when they're not in the room. So much better when Janet's not, you know, mocking me. It's good. I was all by myself. This is the boring part where I'm just by myself, talking to the camera, all alone, just alone, crying, sobbing gently by myself. Oh, no. Oh, no.
You're muted. What's happened? Nothing. Are you lonely? I was, just, I was just talking to Kelly. Oh, hi, Kelly. Someone has to listen to me. You know what kind of man child I am. Right. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.